Welcome to the Sunday morning service at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia, where Pastor Lauren Regeer opens God's Word each week to provide us with biblically-based teaching that helps you meet life head-on. Thank you for joining us, and may your hearts be blessed as God's Word is taught. And now, here is Pastor Lauren Regeer. Thank you, Jessica, for reminding us that we've born again by God's Dear mercy, his own mercy. Glad you're saved today. Say amen. 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 This is a wonderful season for the church as we reflect not only the Passion Week, but on uh, the resurrection. And I'm glad for that reminder in song this morning about uh, the fact that we've been born again. I'm glad that that's what calls us together for this meeting this morning. And every Sunday, we're glad to be the coalition of those that have been saved, converted by the grace of God. Take your Bibles this morning, please. Walking a new road. This is part two. Are you battle ready? Uh, We're in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And I appreciate the scriptures that Andrew chose for us today and just this, uh, the whole theme of remembering God's grace to us. I think that on on, uh, course... Friday, when the Lord was crucified, he sang the sweetest song that's ever been sung. It is finished. Redemption's price has been paid. And what a wonderful thing. What a wonderful prize it is for us. What a gift, the gift of grace. We are in Ephesians chapter 6. I decided not to do a special emphasis of Palm Sunday message. uh, Next Sunday, we will, of course, emphasize elements of the resurrection, and we look forward to that. The day starts at 7.30 in the orchard for you early risers as we enjoy a sunrise, well, close to sunrise service as we gather together. Chairs should be available out there, and we'll meet in the orchard, pecan orchard over yonder. Let's have a word of prayer together, shall we? Father, thank you for the Word of God, the reminders of the book of Ephesians that we, Ephesians, that we are truly blood-bought saints because of the work of Christ that began in eternity past. And Lord, we're thankful that you have raised us from the dead, Ephesians chapter 2, and given us spiritual life. Uh, that's something you didn't have to do, but you did because you loved us from the foundation of the world and provided for us a means by which we could be fit participants of a place that's perfect, heaven. Lord, not because of any gift of our own skill or ability. It's all because of you. We are great debtors the grace of God. Now, thank you, Lord, that as we traverse the book of Ephesians, the last three chapters remind us that we have something to do to participate with you, cooperate with you in this wonderful process of sanctification. We want to be walking in the light and the love and walking in your word, obedient to you. So I pray that you would help us be good soldiers of Jesus Christ in this evil day, and having done all, to stand. Thank you for these challenging words that we will examine this morning. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would give us insight how to be better equipped for the battle around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our text this morning, Paul tells, tells us to take the whole armor of God. Let's begin reading in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. We're already told, verse 10, that we are to stand in His might, not our own. That you may be able to stand against the wiles, that word strategy, of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual 
wickedness in high places. The battle is real. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may not part, but the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. We've already examined some of these truths, and I'll try to catch us up here by way of the slides here. Are you battle ready? Last week we looked at the power that we have. It's invincible. It is not our own. We are to be strong in what? In the power of the Lord, the power of His might. It is invincible. The enemy we face, we decided last week, we discovered last week, is deceptive. That's his main trademark. He is a deceiver, the father of lies. And he camouflages himself in many ways. And we also understood last week that the armor we wear is protective. And that's where we are as we begin, a, a course, a study of the last three particles or uh, elements of the armor that we're supposed to dress ourselves in for the battle around us. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, verse 12, but against principalities, these ranking of authority, unseen to us, invisible to us, but real nonetheless. Uh, the devil is uh, the, the most foremost active agent in, uh, in, in promoting evil and wickedness and the destruction of our worship, true worship for the Lord. So wherefore, we are to take unto us the whole armor of God. I mean, we'll stand in the evil. Then he says, verse 14, stand. The final analysis, stand. Don't waffle, don't backtrack, don't run in defeat. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, this is really the focus of our time in the Word this morning, above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We will wrap up the last message in the book of Ephesians the week after uh, we enjoy uh, Easter together next week. I want you to, just by way of kind of introduction, uh, remind you that Paul, when he speaks of this, this, this garment of protection that we are to wear, is not just checking off a list of items that might be nice. We've already talked about the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and uh, this, the, the breastplate really protects our heart. That's really the picture there. The belt of truth, essential for not only knowing truth, but living truth. That's really the foundational element in the Roman soldier. It held it all together, the truthfulness of the soldier and the truthfulness of what he believed. And then the sure footing or the assurance of sal salvation. Take, you're to have your feet shod with what? This uh, preparation of the gospel of peace. He's speaking to believers, so he's not saying get saved. He's saying have the sure assurance of your salvation. If you're not sure about being saved, you're not ready to face the enemy at all. So he, those are the three things we were talking about. And again, he's not mentioning these items as something that might be nice or convenient to have. These items are essential for the battle. There are six items we will uh, mention in total, but he's not ticking off items that would be good to have for a camping trip. <laughs> he knows that you're in a fight for your spiritual life, and the enemy is persistent. He's doggedly opposed to the people of God and the plans of God. He wants your heart. 
Even now, he's, he's, he's prodding you, distracting you, right? The devil is after your heart. It's not a game we're in with the devil. It's not a negotiation with the devil. We're not in a contractual deal or agreement. It's a war. Paul would want us to know that. And until we die or the Lord comes for us, this battle will continue. And every day, soldier, you have got to put your armor on. Leave no unguarded place. I watched part of this um, first press conference with our um, new president, and I don't want to get derailed here, but it doesn't seem to me that, um, who knows, what time will tell, but he, 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 to me, <laughs> I better be careful, it just didn't seem like he's the kind of president that will be ready to bear the sword. Government is called to bear the sword, not in vain. To stand up, he has a wonderful smile, but will he protect us? Will he fight for us? Uh, girls, you're dating some guy, perhaps. Uh, he's good looking, has a beautiful smile. But will he fight for you? Will he lay down his life for you? By the way, do you have any fight in you? You say, no, I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. Good. You ought to love people. But there is in all of us the call to be a warrior for Christ. And that's the point. Having this knowledge of Ephesians 1 through 3, here's something we are called to do to prepare ourselves. I love the song that says, Must I be carried through the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody Sees. Yea, I must fight if I would win. Bolster my courage, Lord. Are you just an easy target for the devil? Are you washed away at the first whisper of temptation? Or is there in you a spiritual spine? May God put starch on our backbones, right? We all have different personalities, I know that. But the idea, this is all by way of introduction here, but the idea that some Christians uh, have that in the name of grace we just have to, have you ever heard this? Let go and let God. Well, there is a truth, verse 10, we are to be strong in the Lord, but we have a part to play in this. We are to exercise ourselves unto godliness. It's a sad, that little phrase, let go and let God. You see it on bumper stickers, t-shirts. It comes from a sad misinterpretation of some text in the Bible, like the statement made to King Jehoshaphat when he faced that uh, awesome foe, this battle is not yours. You shall not fight. Uh, this battle is not yours, but belongs to God, Second Chronicles 20. That was a special case. And even in that case, where they were so overwhelmed, outnumbered, God said, I'm going to fight for you, but still, dress up for the battle. Friend, nowhere in the Bible does it allow you to absent yourself from the battle, to object to warfare, or to sit it out, or to excuse yourself from this personal battle you have and will have with the devil. Yes, I got some of you know my background. I grew up in a Mennonite uh, community. 
fact, my grandfather was a preacher in a Mennonite church. And I do take uh, issue, that's why I'm not a Mennonite today, I take issue with the philosophy of quietism, pacifism. Uh, I'm not a Quaker or in the Friends Church today. They emphasize surrender, pacifism, quietism, and what they call abiding in Christ as an alternative philosophy to taking up your arms as we're called to. And they have problems with this kind of text right here. I realize this is a spiritual battle, not necessarily a military one. I understand that. But they're, they're concepts that are important to us as we, as we take up our part, we cooperate with God who does the who enforce, or excuse me, enables us. We hide in His strength, yes, His grace, yes. That's the enablement, but God wants us to participate. And I heard all the jokes growing up because I grew up in the Mennonite community. What do you call a traveling Mennonite? A nomad. Some of you get that. Do you hear about the Mennonite orchestra? They have no violins. Why doesn't a Mennonite joke much? He hates punchlines. I heard all these things. Enough of those, right? God certainly calls us to engage. In fact, there's a group that teaches Wesleyism. If you're fully surrendered enough, fully abiding enough, fully given over to God enough, your struggle with sin will be over because you reach this level of perfectionism, right? Where God interacts, or excuse me, interferes between you and the devil, and your battles are over and sin no longer is an attraction to you, that's nothing but hogwash. As long as you live, you'll be fighting the devil. So are you prepared? God clearly calls us to engage. God will not intercept all the difficulties and trials in your life. Yes, He will walk with you. He will fight with and cooperate with you. He will, uh, but He will call you to, uh, uh, to battle. And we are to wrestle. The balance is, is seen through Scriptures. We are uh, certainly to be strong in the Lord, the power of His might. But then we are called, verse 12, to wrestle against uh, this, this unseen foe. Not only is the, uh, there this impulse inside of us as sinners, Right? The impulses of the flesh are there, but there's this culture that is run, this evil world culture and system is run by the devil. He is the ruler of this world. And here in America, sometimes we forget we're in a war. We just kind of float along, and the devil likes it that way. You fighting sin? There's a verse about those who, who, who aren't fighting to sin, like unto, unto bloodshed. We're not that way, right? Somebody raises an eye, eyebrow, and we go running. What kind of a fighter are you? What kind of a warrior are you for your own personal righteousness? How dedicated are you? We are to find certainly strength in the power of God and supply is ours. We found out last week by relationship and by practice, by yielding to the Spirit. Chapter 5 of Ephesians is about that, submitting to the Spirit. And I went on record last Sunday by saying we are no match in our own strength for the devil. That's why he's called a dragon and a lion and the devil. Did we in our own strength confide our striving, Martin Luther reminds us, would be losing. We can't confide, get up in the morning 
and, and, and suddenly think, because I'm Samson, right? Do what you want to to my personal integrity and I'll be okay. No, he found out, right? That without God and the personal holiness, he fell flat on his face. But I want you to know that after you yield yourself in righteous living to the strength and power of God and ask the Spirit to fight with you, you have a job. In fact, there are so many action verbs. The last three chapters of Ephesians is full of them, right? Ephesians 4.1, where to what? Walk worthy. That word worthy is axiomatic. Walk as, as, because of all the truths that we sang about this morning and heard sung about, because that God has done so much, adopted, forgiven, sanctified, justified you, prepared you, and someday will glorify, because of all this wonderful panorama of redemptive history, and yet uh, you're, you're to do this, you're to appreciate that, but then walk worthy of the Lord. Walk worthy of those truths. Ephesians 5, 1, what does it say? We're to walk in love, or 5, 2. We're to 5, 8, we're supposed to walk, in a, in a sense, we're to walk in love. We're to walk in light, and we're to walk in wisdom. Chapter 5 and verse 15, alertly, active obedience. And then the, the teaching goes on, the last kind of, by way of summary, it, te- it goes on to, the, to, to men. Men, love your wives. It's Christ loved, that's an active verb. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Servants, serve from the heart. Children, obey. And then he comes to soldiers, all of us. Put on the whole armor of God because you're going to battle. You're in the army now. Take up. The full armor of God. Be ready for a battle. This is not a costume for a play. This is survival gear. There's an enemy of your soul. He desperately wants your attention and your devotion. Even though he knows he can't steal your soul, he wants your heart. He wants your loyalty. And ever since the first day, he wants your worship. How long has it been since you prayed? How long has it been since you worshipped? How long has it been since you've meditated on Scripture? How long has it been since you've loved the Lord with your God with all your heart? See, God wants those things and the devil wants them not to happen. Pali, we wrestle. Greek, there is a hand-to-hand combat. So stop it with let go and let God. No, buckle up. Put on the belt. Put the clothing on, engage, cooperate, you're in the army. One missionary was visited way out in the middle of the jungles of Africa. He had built a beautiful school, a church, and an orphanage there, kind of carved it out of the jungle. Three visitors came and saw him pushing a wheelbarrow, this great missionary. And they said, in amazement, isn't it great to see what God has done out here in the middle of the jungle? Yes, yes, he said, pushing on. But I've never seen him show up to push a single wheelbarrow yet. God wants you to be engaged in this thing. He won't filter your Facebook for you. He won't win your neighbor by sending an angel to that house. Soldier, get ready, buckle up, stand up and wrestle. We are spiritually out of shape. We are to fight, obey, sweat, work. I love, love the story of, and I'm still getting to those last three pieces. Of, of, uh, I'll get there in just a moment. But I love the story of David 
delivered um, the whole nation, right? This little boy. But it started out by simply his daddy saying, I want you to go take this cheesy bread, this cheese and bread, to your brothers who are in the army and see how they fare. And so David, with little more than a slingshot at his waist and uh, excitement in his heart, went out to the valley of Elah. And there he heard this thunderous defiance of God from a man that was nine foot six inches tall. And David, I don't know how big David was at 14, 15. How old was he? We're not really sure, but he was a young, he was in his youth. He was the little kid of the family. He comes out there and he hears these, these, epi, these, uh, these cursings from this tall day after. And he says, what's going on? Isn't there a cause? Isn't there a righteous God on our side? And uh, he says, oh, pick me. I'll go. He, isn't it great when a fighter arrives? Isn't it great when a soldier arrives? What a difference happens when a man takes up the responsibility of knowing that he's no match physically for that giant. He knows the power of God and he knows that God wants to use his life. And so he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll do it, king. If none of your warriors, none of your marines, none of your soldiers, none of your green berets want to go out there, pick me. Aren't you just an errand boy and that giant's been a soldier from his youth? He's going to mop up with you, David. Hush up and get to the back of the line. He says, no, no, no. It can't be that those words should be said in our land, on our ground, in this promised land, with our God. Oh, what? What great things happen when a soldier arrives. And so he, he says, just let me go. Keep your armor. <laughs> Doesn't fit me. How are you ready, David? How could you be prepared for this battle? Well, he went to the brook with a slingshot. He says, I've been getting ready. I've been practicing. <laughs> I've been killing stuff. I killed, I killed the lion and I've killed a bear and I'm only 15. And by the way, when we went a couple summers ago to uh, Israel with our team from the church, we all had a chance to go to the valley of Elah, to the stream which was all dried up. And we all picked up these stones. All of us picked up five, and thousands of tourists have done this over the thousands of years. <laughs> so I am sure that these rocks aren't the original rocks that were near the five that David picked up. In fact, one here says made in China. <laughs> but they keep the tourists happy. and they, They're a memento of, of that boy with a fighting spirit and a slingshot who said, Lord, you've called me for such a time as this, like Esther. If I perish, so be it. I perish. But this is our moment. This is our world. These are our neighbors. These are our empty pews. Don't wait for an angel to fill that second pew. Don't wait for a great event at church 
or a preacher to come knock on your neighbor's door. God has called us to soldier up. What do you have? Well, it's a slingshot. Use it. And go after, you know, God has prepared us and given us the tools necessary. That's Ephesians 1 through 3. He's resourced us in Christ. He's given us the Spirit that shall never be removed. The Spirit's presence shall never be removed. We are sealed with the Spirit till the day of redemption. God's given us His power. He's given us His plan. He's given us His Spirit, His presence. And what's left for us to do is put the, put the armor on and to go to battle. And I'm thankful for that wonderful story about a little boy named David said, let me go. So we've mentioned these pieces of armor. And just as we look at the end of this wonderful, really, listing of, or this catalog of, of the armor necessary for preparing yourself for battle, we've already looked at this wonderful principle. Take the whole armor of God. Now this is kind of the dress uniform. This wouldn't be worn to battle necessarily, unless, especially by the soldiers. This might be by a ranking official, a general perhaps, someone high up in the ranks. But we are to take the whole arm. We talked last week about the belt. It's foundational to counter the deception of the enemy. And so that was the belt that held the, the whole thing together. The breastplate speaks to guarding your heart. Uh, this was an important piece that covered the heart and the vital organs. We mentioned that. And then, of course, the footwear, uh, the preparation of the gospel of peace. Again, the assurance of your salvation that keeps your footing in the battle. Some of you going through things, right? What gives you assurance? And so it is the footwear that's spoken of in verse 15. And then it says, Above all, take the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench, quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. This was a usually a curved piece of metal or wood in some cases, decoratively painted, uh, two and a half foot by four foot length. And they would take this, they, uh, the Romans were really pretty good about figuring out how to use the shield. They would use this in a turtle, what's called the tortoise formation, against flying, flaming arrows uh, or other th- objects that were tossed and hurled at them. But it was so important when they went into battle, especially against those who came in in the cavalry swinging these big, long swords that were double-edged uh, with which they would maim and decapitate the enemy. And so the, the, the shield was essential. They would use it to interlock, and then they would use it personally in the really close hand-to-hand, hand-to-hand combat. And so it was an essential part of the battle. First three elements in the soldier's preparation and the pieces, articles of clothing were worn pretty much all the time during his active duty. But the last three were worn essentially and vitally when he went to battle. So the shield was taken up and it says here in the King James, it says, above all, it doesn't mean literally you put it above your head, although they would at times. It doesn't mean more important than anything else. No. It just meant in addition to the first three items, take this. By all means, take the shield. (laughs) If you're going to battle, by all means, don't space out and leave your shield in the barracks. Take the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. 
they would, in those days, uh, take arrows and uh, put a wad of linen or something and dip it in something flammable, light it, and shoot it. In some cases, they would dip it in a tar-type material that would burn for a while, and they would shoot it into cities or against armies, and when it would hit, the, the, the tar would splatter everywhere, starting even more fires. And the idea of this shield, it was vital to protecting your own safety and your own health and your life. You're to take the shield of faith that protects you uh, from all these fiery darts. Above all, not just hold it above your head, or it's not more important than the other, the other three items, but this shield was supposed to be uh, in front of you, the protective agency that kept you safe in the raging battle. And spiritually, the devil is always trying to destroy us. And so the shield gave us this, gave them a sense of protection from these burning, fiery darts. You know, the devil is always lobbing darts at us, darts of depression, darts of doubt. Have you had any of those land against you personally this week? Here's what they, here's what they usually come wrapped in and lit with. God isn't really good, is he? Or he would let you eat from every tree. God isn't really good, these seeds of doubt, these arrows of doubt come flying at us. God isn't really good or wise, or he's not really enough all the time, is he? And they hit us incessantly, these arrows from the devil. What are you going to block them with? What do you do to stop them? God is not the God He promised to be to you, apparently, because you're going through a health challenge that shouldn't come to any believer, and that hits you. Or why is your finance, or why are your kids, or why is this happening, or why are they laughing at you, or why is... And they come. Not only... From the outside, this is a battle against the devil, what's pictured here. But even from the inside, from our hearts, they come. As, as one of our Sunday school teachers, Brian, reminded us, this proneness to wonder away from the God who loves us. So how do we do that? How do we lift the shield? Well, we answer with the, the shield of faith by which the world is overcome. We have to say, yes, we know that God loves us. God is not through with me. God has given me the resource. I am not a victim, but a victor. My identity is not what others say about me or think about me, but who I am in Christ. People may fail me, and they have, but I have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You block these things with a shield of faith, and you speak these truths to your own heart. We're not going to run out of God's resources. And even if he slays me, still I will trust him. So we speak words of faith and promise. We grab hold of the shield of faith. Don't you love the story of Paul on a sinking ship in the, the Mediterranean Sea? He is by the island of Melita. They have been lost now at sea for 14 days. 14 days. And all the soldiers, 276 people on that big sailing vessel... And they are just at the mercy of the sea. Don't you love this story? The, the one guy that has his anchor set in 
cast upward is Paul. And everybody's given up, ready, really ready <clears throat> to die. They're, they're preparing themselves to die. And the ship grounds itself, and Paul stands up in the midst and he says, Listen, no one's going to die here. God's told me. He, he, he says this, I believe God. It will be just as he said. Get some nourishment. You know what? In the midst of this tumultuous, windy, stormy sea, there's one guy that stands up and says, I don't see, you may not see how it's going to happen. I don't even see how it's going to happen, but I know one thing. I believe God. It's going to be just like he said. Shield of faith. The assurance that God is and is a rewarder of them that seek him, that not one of his words will ever fail. And then the helmet of salvation. I got a picture here of one that's really pretty authentic from that period of time. You see the, uh, the it's usually, usually made of metal or of leather. I guess if you were lower ranked, you got the leather ones. It has the hinged cheek protective plate and the swinging swords. The helmet of salvation is listed for us in verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation. Not much is said about that, but this protects the mind, the headquarters of your thoughts. The head protected, the brain is the headquarters to your body, your direction. It sends the message to the rest of the body. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We talked about this uh, principle in the belt of truth. Here it's repeated again. Truth is what protects the mind from dangerous lies and deceptions of the devil. Ephesians 4.1, if you want to turn back there just a page or so, 4.21. You've not learned Christ. He's speaking about those who are unsaved. You've not learned Christ. You're not given to every whim of your heart, every lust and passion of your soul. You've not learned Christ. If so be that you have learned Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. We are to be truth-directed, thinking God's thoughts. We are to cast aside every imagination, every vain thought that exalts itself against God. We are to helmet our brains with the truth of Scripture so that when we are in battle, we will be directed our steps will be directed. Learn Christ. A man was visited by Pastor Warren Wearsby, and this man was formerly a deacon in a good church across town. So Pastor Warren Wearsby wanted to go and somehow reclaim him. He was now part of a cult. He sat with him on a Sunday afternoon with the Bible open, and Pastor Warren Wearsby shares this, uh, this encounter. He spent an hour out of Scripture, but this man's mind was dead set against the truth. And here's what amazed <clears throat> Pastor Wearsby. Here's what the man said, Preacher, I blame the church I was in. I didn't know anything about the Bible. I wanted to study the Bible. Nobody showed me how. They made me a deacon, but I wasn't ready. Then <clears throat> I heard this man on the radio, and it seemed as if he knew the Bible. So I followed him, and I'm convinced he's right, and I'm convinced you're wrong. Take the helmet, the fifth 
piece of armor is the helmet, God's truth, protecting the mind. Your most valuable asset in battle is your brain, your thoughts, your intents, your mission, your focus, and your drive. It's a helmet to protect you. We were dealing with somebody uh, months ago in counseling, and, and I remember that Robin had mentioned to me, I said, what should we say? What should we do? And Robin reminded me, and we talked about this, let's keep going back to the truth of Scripture. We don't have any other help besides that. Let's protect our minds. If you think right, you act right, right? To walk God's walk, you must think God's thoughts. Casting 2 Corinthians 10.5, casting down every imagination, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Paul is talking to believers, so we come to the helmet of salvation. It can't be that he's talking about receiving Christ. No, and 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, this is, this is clarified for us. The helmet of salvation, which is the hope of salvation. And so we are to ask the question in battle, this protecting helmet protects us from false hope. We're to hope in our salvation, hope in the fact that God has saved us, eternity past. He came to Christ, he, the three tenses of salvation, we have been saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. And in the process, we're in these great battles. And in the middle of the battle, it's easy to lose hope. God, why? Why this? Why now? Why me? And yet we are to understand, protect our minds that God is not losing. God is not losing the battle. <laughs> He's not losing you. Are you hoping in the new president, hoping in springtime, hoping in love and marriage? Are you hoping in your 401k, hoping in some personal expectation? Stop it. Hope in God. That protects you in the middle of the battle. Some in Hebrews 11 were sawn asunder, tortured. Others survived these great persecutions. But they were all, they all died in faith, protected. Finally, and, and quickly, let's look at the last element of your protective equipment, your survival gear, the sword of the Spirit. This rounds out the equipment, and it's different than any other piece of armor in that it is what? It's offensive, right? It's that one piece of armor that is designed for the, for placed in your it's a sword of the Spirit. Who is more powerful? No one. More powerful than God. The sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. This is your hope in the battle for victory. It puts the enemy to flight. The word for sword in the Greek here is this little... I'll have a picture here, one. Oh, there we go. It's, a, it's not this huge, long sword. It's a dagger, sometimes only 6 to 18 inches in length. It was made for hand-to-hand -hand combat. The Bible leaves no doubt as to what this pictures and exemplifies for us. Uh, and we see that it is the Word of God. You will no doubt lose many battles if you are not well-versed in this book, in the Word of God. 
Isn't it amazing? It is to me that in Matthew 4, at the beginning of the Lord's ministry, that the Lord led him, God led him into the wilderness for how many days? 40 days for a uh, wrestling match with the devil. It wasn't much of a match, right? But the Lord could have zapped the devil. Wouldn't that be neat? Boom, poof, he's done. He's allowing the, the, the devil's under God's control, but he allowed that for our sakes to understand something. God who could have zapped you know, with, with, with anything, zapped on the lightning bolt or just uh, made him poof, go out of existence. God who could have certainly out-arm wrestled the devil. It was no, it's real no fight. They're not equal forces. The devil is a created being. No match for the Lord. But for our learning, the Lord says, instead of when the, the temptations arose, the darts, the fiery darts start coming, the Lord says, it is written. It is written. It is written. He takes that dagger, and finally the devil flees, right? In this 40 days without, have you ever met somebody who's gone 40 days without food? You're super hungry. You're at the point of starvation. And so the devil offers this, anybody smelled fresh bread? Some of you ladies out there cook, ah, it's nothing, nothing better. Command these stones be made to bread. It is written. The dagger came out. You shall not live, man shall not live by bread alone. With temptation to pride, the cities of the world, the applause of men. It is written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Boom. It is written. There's power. Of the Spirit, the Word of God. Then the temptation to false, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Man called me for counsel. I could tell by the way he spoke that he was doctrinally way off base. And so, you know, my prayer is anytime I speak to folks in that vein, I always say, Lord, I reach. I reached for the dagger. I said, Lord, I don't want, by my personality, I don't want to hurt this man, but he, there needs to be conviction in his heart. And so I, I just always reach for the sword. Lord, somehow, would you give me a verse that will apply in this case? My opinion doesn't matter. Neither does yours. It's what God says. Thank you for joining us today. Please tune in each week for new messages from Pastor Lauren Regeer at Bible Baptist Church in Hampton, Georgia. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you.